Hey, welcome to the Happy Ramp Podcast. I am Ted Cluck, joined, as always, in studio by my good friends, my partner in radio, Barnabas Piper. Pipe, we are once again uh, without Ronald today because Ronald is doing what Ronald most loves to do in this world, which is uh, taking a trip, having meetings in places other than his hometown. Uh, he is living his best life right now. So I, I can tell the nation is starting to open up when Ronald's like travel schedule starts to open back up. So is it uh, is it Ronnie Tarmac if it's road tripping? Or do we have another? Is it Ronnie Road Trip? Like, what are we Ooh, going with? Ronnie Road Trip is solid, dude. That just rolls right off the tongue. Yeah, Tarmac is ideal, man. I, th- I think Ronald's the happiest when he gets to go to the airport. Like, he loves making that airport run, doing the, you know, getting picked up by somebody, having that time in the gate beforehand. Yeah, I That's- think that you can really accessorize a flight, you know, yeah. You th- yeah. with, your, with your carry-on bags, your gadgets, your totally. your AirPods, whatever it is that you're choosing to use, you can all the way access. It's hard to accessorize a road trip. I mean, road trip yeah. is like Pringles and Twizzlers, which yeah. is delicious. For a hipster, not, though, that's not, you know, yeah. that's off the table. Literally not as glamorous. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, for Ronald, I feel like all that time in the gate, too, the gate time, dude, is like a weird, it's like a weird half-life where... To all the world, you're unavailable, but you're still alive and you're still allowed to like walk around and buy a magazine or a coffee or whatever. It's a weird sense of freedom, if that makes sense, even though you wouldn't want to be there forever. And it's very Twilight Zone-ish because like time is going by, but it is, Mm -hmm. it's never at any particular o'clock in the airport. You know, yeah. like it, you, yeah. you don't really bat an eye if you roll through the airport at 9 a.m. and somebody's sitting at a bar, you know, killing a Miller Light. You're like, well, <laughs> dude, totally. It's the airport, you know. Yeah. I wonder what, what that guy's story is. He's probably been up all night or, you know, maybe he's yeah, from a different time zone. Rough visit with the family and he's heading yeah. home or whatever. Maybe he's just a miserable alcoholic, but, yeah, you know, I mean, we'll never know. Yeah. It, yeah. And then it's weird to talk to people. So why would you go up and ask? Totally. Totally. Um, yeah, fascinating stuff. All the best to Ronald as he travels. I hope it's, uh, refreshing and renewing. This, this isn't the big sojourn retreat that happens like once every two months. Um, no, I don't, I don't think that's COVID approved yet. So I'm sure that this is, this is, must be a smaller scale thing. Well, exactly. It, It would, most things are smaller scale compared to that. But, uh, Piper, we have business to do because we are radio pros and, uh, we have a show to deliver to people. But before we get into it, I want to talk about, uh, two sponsors. One, Harvest House Publishers, a uh, publisher that's near and dear to my heart in that they have published um, my two graphic novels and another project, uh, but they just dropped one. It's called The Outstanding Life of an Awkward Theater Kid. It's a graphic novel by me. Uh, it's the follow-up to uh, The Extraordinary Life of a Mediocre Jock, a uh, graphic novel that dropped last year or so. Um, your daughter has read it. She said it was very funny. Um, it is available through uh, our favorite online bookseller, Amazon.com. Uh, so go and help them out. Piper, yeah, you su- have... Support small businesses, y'all. That's right, dude. Hey, wear a mask while you're shopping online. And, su- and right, wear a mask, shelter in place, support small businesses. Everybody wins, okay, when you do it that way. So uh, Outstanding Life and Awkward Theater Kid, available on Amazon. Uh, buy it. Rate it five stars. Say some nice things about it. Um, you got time. It's not going to kill you. Uh, Piper, tell us about your new ish re-released book. Yeah. So I, at, 
uh, at the beginning of this month, so June 1st, my book, The Pastor's Kid, re-released from The Good Book Company, who would be our second sponsor for this podcast. Um, they uh, It originally published in 2014. So what are we at now? Six years ago? Yeah, six plus years ago, which seems like an eternity. Um, and so... It originally published with David C. Cook, was able to get the rights back, get it over to the Good Book Company because um, they are they just have a better sense of kind of how to position a book like this. And so there's some refreshed content in it, um, <clears throat> some just updated to kind of make it current to, to current situation. But for the most part, it's the same content just being reintroduced. So it's uh, I wrote it with the idea of writing from the perspective of pastors, kids, on behalf of pastors' kids, then with the audience of some fellow pastors' kids, but also just pastors and church members to kind of understand what the the unique challenges and struggles of being a PK are. And <clears throat> so far, um, I mean, it, I've gotten amazing responses over the last few years just from, from people who have read it and really appreciated it. So if you are in ministry, considering ministry, or care about people in ministry, I'd say go pick it up. Um, yeah, Amazon could use your support. They're really struggling these days. Um, Lifeway.com, they actually are really struggling these days. Exactly, all so, aside. So they could use your help. Christian Book Distributors carries it. I'm pretty sure these these places carry Ted's books too. So um, really anywhere you'd like to buy your books. But yeah, Pastor's Kid is out. It's uh, It's got a new cool cover on it. And I'm excited that it's being reintroduced to the world right in the middle of a pandemic when everybody wants to buy books. Well, absolutely, man. There's never been a better time to buy books. So uh, run, don't walk. To Jeff Bezos' company, Amazon.com, help out Jeff, uh, good friend of the program. Um, Piper, we've got some uh, we've got some stuff to discuss that I feel I feel terrible about discussing this stuff without Ronald because he loves like celebrity pastor gossip more than maybe any other thing. Not as much as travel, uh, but it's it's maybe second to travel. Um, Anyway, dude, my uh, my former colleague, my former co-author, Kevin DeYoung, made some waves this week. Now, did this like? I'll I'll tell you how I heard about this, and then and then you tell me if you heard about it at all. But uh, I was at I was at the chiropractor yesterday. Um, see also concussion. See also like contact football with my kid in the backyard. So I'm getting adjusted, and he brings this article that Kevin DeYoung wrote up conversationally. Uh, shout out to my chiropractor. Great dude, if he's listening. Um, so he brings up this article in which KDY had laid out a new strategy for fighting the culture war. Um, <laughs> did you did this like drift across your transom in real life, Piper, before I brought it up to you? That's my first question. Uh, it did, yes. Um, although it was in, in typical fashion, it was via social media. <clears throat> yeah. But it was via a word that I didn't know, you know, and yeah. I consider myself a man of, of a man words. of letters. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I write things and I, I don't, I don't think I have an amazing vocabulary, but I, I like to think I know how to use words. Yeah. And, um, and I saw this buzz going on Twitter of Kevin DeYoung's use of the word fecund for <laughs> fecund. I don't it know. Sounds- I always, I always say like the three times in my life I've said it, I've always said fecund. But it's, I don't know. Sounds it sounds awkwardly like fecal. Oh, so I'm going to go with It's a terrible I'm, sounding word, isn't it? <clears throat> yeah. I'm going to go with fecund. Yeah. And so I didn't know what it meant, 
Yeah. Which meant I didn't understand the point of the fervor. Right. And I didn't know if it was fervor because it was a funny word or what. So I had to Google it. Yeah. Um, and then I saw that fecund meant something like able to bear many children or pr- <laughs> prodigious childbearer or something to that effect. Yeah, totally. And and I immediately went like, oh, oh I, I, see where this is, I see where this Game is on. going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was that was my introduction. It was it was via fecund. Dude, incredible vocab flex by KDY. Like I feel I feel like KDY and and this is a this is a big caveat here, okay? I really, really like this guy. He's a friend. Uh, we wrote books together in the past. He was a great pastor. Um, so shout out to KDY. But I feel like the the flex game has been it's been on point lately, in that like I I've long believed, and by long believed, maybe a year and a half. That the ultimate pastoral flex is to get your doctorate from England. And I think he did that. Like, he's got the British doctorate. Um, he's using words like fecund. I don't know. I feel like the flexes are solid lately. What yeah, do you think? that's strong. I I attend a church with a former senior pastor who got, uh, who got his doctorate in... Well, I guess it was Scotland. I don't know if that's better Ooh. or worse than England, but that's it's... That's pretty cool, dude. That's pretty yeah, it's, cool. Yeah, I feel like it's England, but but with a cool factor instead of just a snob factor. <laughs> that's um, true. It might be uh, better. So, and then, and then the current senior pastor just completed his doctorate last year, also from Scotland. So it's, we, we have a touch of that, but I, I think Scotland also brings a level of like every manishness to it. Yeah. Whereas yeah, yeah. England, you know, just knows all the way in the air. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. So Katie Y, fresh off the doctorate, Fresh off using the word fecund, um, and this is this is I guess more the point of the article. Um, said that the way for Christians and dude, hear this. I don't care about the culture wars. I'm a conscientious objector. I'm not involved. Like no one cares what what our opinions are on this stuff or mine at least. I don't want to speak for you, but um, so like winning the culture war is not a thing that I wake up in the morning thinking about at all. Um, but nevertheless, because my chiropractor brought it up and uh, I told him I would take a look at the article, I took a look. And essentially the argument was something along the lines of, you know, we got to like basically repopulate the earth for Christendom. So go ahead and get married and have a bunch of kids. And I'm sure I'm missing the nuance and the the finer points of this thing. But that was kind of the the gist of it, which didn't surprise me at all, given that like, if you've been in reformed churches for any amount of time, that's kind of how they roll, you know, and there's a real sort of unromantic quality, I guess, for lack of a better term amongst reformed men, especially where it's just like, Hey, I'm reformed. You're reformed. Let's have, let's get married. Let's have some babies. And like, if we don't exactly like each other, the, the Lord will work it out kind of thing. And, um, I don't know, like what, what was your response to the piece itself, Piper? And then, and then I can get a little more serious. I need to quit like hiding behind humor. I yeah, I had a, a handful of responses that kind of bounced through my head. The first one was, of course, you know, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. predictable and very on brand. Not necessarily for Katie Y specifically, as for just like a swath of conservative reformdom. Mm-hmm. Um, the second thought was some combination, and I'm gonna. I don't know. I'm not even going to try to couch this because this is what, since when have we couched things on this podcast? Uh, Most of the families with large numbers of kids are homeschool families who are disengaged from the culture. 
Yeah. Which means that winning the culture war, like, I don't know what that means. That's not really when, in play anyway, right? Yeah. Like, you, you, yeah. It, it's hard to win a culture war from a commune. Um, and so that was a thought that bounced through my head. The last one was it, it just feels like the strategy that Russia employed in World War II, mm-hmm. where it's like, we're not very good at this, but if we throw enough numbers at it, maybe we'll just overwhelm them. Yeah. And uh and it led it led Always to a mass, solid it, strategy. And it led know? to just mass casualties. So yeah. I kind of feel like that's the future of throwing large numbers of children at the culture war. Isn't I don't know, and, and I w- I wish we had Man of the Cloth Ronald on here to answer this one for me, but I mean, isn't there something like biblical and I guess like a bit foreordained about us not winning the culture war? You know what I mean? Like I feel like that's kind of all over the place in there. So never was it... It depends. I, at the risk of getting real nerdy here, yeah, yeah, real no, theological get, get nerdy. Get nerdy, I'm asking. Okay, yeah. yeah it's, I, if, you're, if you're post-millennial in your, in your eschatology, you believe that, you, generally speaking, you believe that there's a, there's a steady progression of improvement mm-hmm. towards a, you know, a Christological kingdom. Yeah. And so, you know, as as opposed to like being pre-millennial, which is the world is a cesspool until Jesus comes back and fixes everything. Some people believe that he will rescue the believers out and then do it, whatever. But <clears throat> post-millennial believe that once Jesus came, it ushered in the the millennium, or that was when he was mm-hmm. when he was on earth, and things are supposed to be getting better. So in that sense, I guess we could think that we're supposed to be winning a culture war. Yeah. I just, A, I don't see a lot of evidence for that in scripture. Yeah. Um, that vision of eschatology. But I also don't, like you said, I don't see a lot of evidence that we should anticipate being a, you know, sort of the sweeping influence over all of society as, as a, you know, a, a Christian kingdom, if you will. yeah. yeah. No, I get that. And that's actually really helpful. That's a that's a helpful um explanation because I, I'm I'm definitely more of the the world is a cesspool <laughs> persuasion, especially right now. Um where it where it seems to be more cesspool than it's ever been. So um so yeah, I don't really see us winning the culture war at all. And look, I mean, KDY, he knows how the game is played, right? Like he's been around a long time and I mean, he knew he would take a savage beating the minute he hit publish on that thing. So, like, I'm sure he counted the cost. And, and at some level, probably doesn't care or whatever. Yeah. But, you know, he, he knew kind of what the, you know, what the reaction to it was going to be. And he used the word fecund. So, um, you know, the, the, the backlash has been severe, I'm sure. And I'm sure there's been some support for it, you know. Um, can can we discuss briefly the the potential effectiveness? Like let's let's give his let's give yeah. his argument some credit. Yeah. Um, you know what what would the the cumulative effect be if we all decided um, instead of having two children with which both of us do currently, Ron has one, so yeah. none of us are following this this. We're not contributing to the war effort. Let's put it that way. <laughs> we're not. Um, <laughs> what uh, what would be the effect if we decided? Um, let's, let's have four more kids. So Ron gets five, we get six. And, uh, you know what? I feel like I might actually put worse kids into the world in that case. Oh, definitely. Like just me as a parent anyway. We would be broke. 
I would probably be, <laughs> I don't know. I can't make this joke, dude. I, I almost said a joke that I can't make. Um, <laughs> but it, which, which substance were you going to joke about? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You can, you can fill in the blanks there. Um, I don't know, like, like to me, and I love my kids, dude. And I like my kids. I like them a whole lot. I like them a ton, but I just don't like kids all that much. So like the idea of, a I'm house, with you. Yeah. Yeah. The idea of a house full of six kids just sounds nightmarish to me. And, and, and what's more, and, and this is on a more serious note, like the first wave of that movement probably started 20 years ago. And I was in Kevin's church when it started, right? Um, and it'd be more like 15 years ago when I, was, when I was in that church. But sort of the first wave of like young married couples, they were, they were like throwing all their baggage on the reform train as quickly as they could. And part of that train was you know, pop those kids out, dude. Like as soon as, as soon as your stuff heals from like the the first go around, like pop another one out and do it as often as you can until you can't anymore. And yeah, it's like, it's like Irish quintuple, quintuplets at some point. It's not even yeah, Irish dude, twins. Totally. It's like every, every 10 and a half months, there's a new baby. So that was the culture. And for a while, I think everybody was like super as, as with all like, cultural groundswell, super wide-eyed, super self-congratulatory, you know, like, hey, we're doing our part. This is what the Lord wants us to do or whatever. But then for X number of those families, it was just like, oh, wait, we can't afford this. Oh, wait, we hate this. <laughs> you know, nobody's saying it out loud, right? Because you got to, you know, you got to defend your choice to the to the death. Um, but yeah, like, I don't think it was this dreamy thing for everybody. And, and, and to be fair though, there are families that are called to that. There are families that do it really well. We know a lot of them and tip of the cap to those families. I just don't think it definitely wouldn't work for us. And it's sounding like it wouldn't work for you either. Yeah. I I think there's a, I think one of the wisest thing, things, you know, young married couples can do is not set a goal for number of children, but but set like a a wisdom parameter that's like, at what point is there a law of diminishing returns on this? Yeah. At what point do I become a garbage parent because yeah. I I one more child has pushed me over the edge? Yeah. And and yeah, there's there, you know, God's grace is bigger than our weakness. So if you have yeah. an unexpected child, like you can be an unexpectedly great parent too. Sure. Um and so that yeah, I, I'm not trying to cast blame and there are people who they should have six or eight kids because they're great parents for it and some people who have six or eight kids who you look at and you're like ah this is not going well for anybody yeah um and this this kind of sets up our second subject a lot of times the the people who have a ton of kids also have the mindset where like mom does all the kid work Mm-hmm. And so the mom in those families is rung all the way out and, you know, and dad is not as engaged as he should be. Again, yeah. this is not, this is not with Kevin DeYoung in mind. This is sort of yeah. what I've observed elsewhere in the church. Totally. And, totally. Yeah. And I think there's, there's also just a, um, I, I think people have taken too literally the idea of like fill the earth and subdue it. Yeah. You know, it's like that the creation mandate. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I, I don't think that means that you need to like fill a van. Yeah. I think there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of things that means and it, and mass population is not necessarily one of them. Yeah. No, I'm with you, man. I'm with you. And, um, 
Yeah, I don't know. C- can we talk about like culture war guys for a second, <clears throat> and then we'll and then we'll pivot into the next thing. Like, I, I guess, and I, I need help understanding this because so somebody like Rod Rod Dreer. Am I saying that right? Dreer Dreer Dreer. I think yeah. Yeah, Rod Dreer. He came and spoke at my college one time, and and I I listened. It was it was interesting. Um, you know, he got slaughtered by kind of the people that you would expect to slaughter him. And he got celebrated by the people that you would expect that from. But point being like, you know, he wrote, he wrote this big thing about, you know, the culture and what we need to do. And like, by and large, I only ever hear him getting slaughtered for it. So like, why, why do that? I guess is my question. And, and it wasn't his thing more withdrawing from the culture war than it was, I guess in the culture war. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess it was to to you know. I guess to give him full credit for what his idea was. But um, I, I don't know, dude. It seems to me that okay. And this this is something I read. This is a little bit of a, di- a digression, but I think it works. Um, it was a column a few days ago by Jason Whitlock. Do you know this writer, sports writer? Um, oh yes, I stopped reading him a few years ago because he's just he's he's like the writing version of Skip Bayless. Yeah, dude. So he is. He's incendiary, but he had he had an interesting idea about I don't know social influence or whatever. And basically, the gist of it was, and man, we're getting into a whole rat's nest here. I already regret going into this, but like, why doesn't LeBron James hold Nike's feet to the fire and say, why don't you put a factory in Akron, right, where it would create I don't know ten thousand jobs for people and it would change the local economy and Blah, 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 blah. And I, I look at that and I go, huh, well, that seems like that seems like a cultural thing that would actually move the needle. <clears throat> and no disrespect to Rod Dreher's book, but it, you know what I'm saying? Like things that bring actual change are going to do way more for the culture war than like, yeah, like you said, filling a homeschool van with kids or, you know, whatever. You know what I'm saying? When, and that's the thing is I think most Christians fight the culture war and again, I, I'm kind of, I feel like I'm, every time I say culture war, there should be quotes around it. Because A, oh, I don't totally. know what it is yeah. entirely. I think it just means everything we don't like about culture. Yeah. Um, and and also, it just doesn't have defined... Pr- it's a little bit like the Vietnam War. We don't know who exactly we're fighting against. We don't know why exactly we're fighting. Yeah. We're not sure if they want to be fighting against us, and we'd all really like to go home. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's... Yeah, it, it, it feels like most Christians are not fighting a culture war. They're fighting an idea war. Yeah, yeah, So it's yeah. just... It's just a war of words, yeah. Which is not what you just described. You just described a a decisive action mm-hmm. using influence and leverage. Mm-hmm. You know, the idea has whatever merit. Like, yeah, yeah. At first, at first blush, that sounds interesting yeah, it w- to me. It would be cool, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, if, if if that if that if that was something that came to pass, it'd be it seems like it'd be pretty influential. Yeah. Um, but that's not what most of us are doing. Right. And and maybe that was kind of Kevin's point was stop tweeting there's, and um, there's quite literal <laughs> there's quite literal skin in the game. Yeah, yeah. When you're when you're pumping out more kids who you who you can put into the world to potentially be Christian influence. Yeah. Yeah, and I, and and I do get it. But that's assuming a lot, right? I mean, it's assuming and now we're getting deep into the weeds of like um re- I guess reformed like a, a certain strain of reformed theology where you know, it can it can be easy to kind of assume that your kid is a Christian because they sprang from your loins, right. and uh, that's that's a whole uh, that's a whole different conversation. But uh, M- misapplied 
covenantalism or something like yeah, that. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I mean, I, I think again in in the if you're in the kind of culture where like there's a lot of backslapping and congratulations for your fecundity, as it were, um, that kind of thing can be assumed. So it can be assumed that well, if I pop out six kids, they're all going to be like exemplars of the faith when in fact, you know, they probably aren't, you know, or at least a few of them aren't. I don't know. Um, I don't have a big family. I can't speak to that. But, uh, but, but yeah, it's interesting. You know what we've done here, Piper? It's oh, one, one quick thought yeah, yeah, before, yeah. before I say, no, I don't know what we've done. Um, it, it does seem to, to me to kind of smack of the idea, like, like what people did in the you know 1820s when they were trying to settle the West or something like that, yeah. where they're like, we got to have 11 kids because four of them are going to die of yellow fever, and you know the daughters will just get married off. So we need at least like three to five remaining sons to work the farm and chop the trees. Yeah, it it it's it's a survival thing. So it's just sort of like a law of large numbers. The the more there are, the more you're likely to succeed at. It yeah, kind of it kind of has that feel to it. We're like, well. If we have six kids, maybe three of them will do a good job. If we have yeah. two kids, our success, you know, at the same success rate, we only get one one yeah. good kid out of it. Dude, do you think some of this speaks to like how relational or not relational parents are? In that, like, I almost feel like it would be disloyal to the two kids I have to have another kid because it would spread li- it would spread me more thin. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like with with the number that we have now. I'm able to really know them as people and really enjoy them. And I don't know, I, I can know a lot of stuff about them. Like I know what their likes and dislikes are and what movies they like to quote and what sports players they like. And, you know, whereas if I had six, I feel like it, it would feel like more of a flyover, right? Like I'm, I'm shoving a plate of food in front of you. I'm providing a roof over your head, but that's, that's kind of it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I think that's true. Which I think also just speaks to how certain people view the role of parent. You know, yeah. I think you and I are similar in that when our children were tiny, we were eager for them to get older. Oh, man. You know, yeah. just and not to get rid of them, but because it gets more fun. Like yeah. parent, I have an 11 and a 14 year old. Your kids are a little bit older than mine, you know, a couple of years older on both accounts. Mm-hmm. And it it's more enjoyable now than it was when they were, you know, three and six. Absolutely. And, you know, and, and so... But that's because, again, we kind of had this idea in mind of I want to have a relationship with my kid of a certain kind. And I think some people view it more as it's almost more like coaching. Yeah. Where we're, we're trying to shape players to put them into the game. Yeah. And so if if that's your mindset and you do it well, I don't know that the one is a worse version of parenting than the other. They're just very different points of emphasis. Yeah. No, that's a great point, dude. It's a great point. And. I mean, ultimately, who are we to say, you know, and it's, it's up to the Lord, whether these kids will, you know, be redeemed or not. And we can, you know, we can do our best and probably fail a whole bunch on, on both sides of this thing, which I love it. I would love it if Kevin DeYoung's kids, I mean, what does he have now? Eight. I I would love it if his kids grew up to be amazing humans who had profound influence and like eight times the influence of, of if they only had one child, like that would be. It'd be no, amazing. It'd be great. Yeah. It'd I be just, great. it is not a thing that I could ever envision for myself. If we're setting the over under at eight, I'm taking the over. I, I think I'm taking the over in that one. Um, I, have, I have no way of, I say I have no way of knowing. I could just text, but, um, but yeah, it's, it's a weird text to say, hey, like, 
I realize we haven't talked in a couple of years. How many kids do you have? So that I can settle a bet with Barnabas Piper. That I think the text five. is numerically. How fecund are you? Yeah, yeah. Put a, put a numeric value to your fecundity. Um, dude, I think we've managed to like probably alienate everyone with that segment in the sense that, um, you know, we've definitely made the big family people mad. So apologies to those folks. Um, I don't know, like... Who else has skin? And we've made the culture war people mad, dude. Like if if you're out there on Twitter, like you know, slogging through the cultural battles I'm every day. Sure, we, I'm pretty sure we chased them away about five and a half years ago. Maybe um, we did, man. Maybe we did. I I don't think the culture war people are spending an enormous amount of time on this podcast. <laughs> That's true, dude. I hope they're not actually. Um, but speaking of, there's there's more on that level. Oh, good, um, good, yeah, good, 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 good. As if we didn't have enough to fight about as a culture. Um, there was some new, uh, and I'm not going to say the name because last time we did it, it got us in trouble, but but there was some new, like complimentarian egalitarian stuff involving someone whose name we invoked on this podcast before who, whose tribe then like came, came at us, dude, they came at us with the like strength of a thousand men and it probably was a thousand men. Um, but, uh, but, but yeah, what happened Piper? Well, and we know they were men because he gave very clear distinctions of what it means to be a man. Um, oh, yeah, that guy, that guy. Okay, yes. it's coming back to me now. Okay. Yeah, via via Twitter. It wasn't the, the manhood list of 99. That was a different yeah. guy. It was the other manhood discussion. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, there's there's a, a theologian writer named Amy Bird okay. who is... Every time she writes about issues of, of gender and men's and women's roles, uh, it makes conservative complementarians very angry even though she is not a like aggressive egalitarian she okay. is she's just really thoughtful and yeah. she she leans more open-handed a little bit more egalitarian certainly more than the the angry manhood types and so she she's written um i think she wrote a book called recovering from biblical manhood and womanhood so sort mm-hmm. of a play on the title of my dad and wayne's grudem wayne grudem's book which was sort of it's sort of the yeah, dude. The foundational tome of of complementarianism. And hey, Piper, uh, this is how stupid I am. I, I didn't realize that was your pops and Grudy. Like I was familiar with that like phrase, but I didn't I didn't know it was your it was your pops, man. Yeah. There's, so that my my dad and, and Wayne Grudem wrote that, I don't know, like late eighties, early nineties. It's been around mm-hmm. for a minute. <clears throat> and so she wrote a book called Recovering From mm-hmm. uh Biblical Manhood and Womanhood. And I haven't read it, so I can't speak to the content, but she has been, I don't even know what the right word, I, I would say kind of internet abused by aggressively angry complementarian men. Yeah. With, I mean, and some of it is, some of it is uh, unkindly attacking her ideas. Yeah. Some of it is just attacking her as a person, you know, something yeah. being called like lesbian slurs and things oh, like wow. that. So. Good grief, so, dude. And this is not attached to the gentleman we were just talking about specifically. That has come yeah. from other corners. Yeah. There was some there was in a an a, a supposedly anonymous Facebook group mm-hmm. where a lot of this happened. And then people in the group who were disgusted by it <laughs> posted screenshots of it. Wow. So the uh yeah, like the Orthodox Presbyterian Church leadership put out a statement condemning those kinds of comments because this is an explicitly like reformed uh, Facebook group. So you'd think they were arguing soteriology and instead they're, they're making fun of the way she looks. Jesus and priest, dude. 
and it's yeah just it, it, it the kind of thing that you just want to you just want to like drag somebody behind your car for um and uh so it was it was that and just it's so insane to me mm-hmm. how fragile and threatened mm. a version of complementarian men are yeah, yeah. And I, I don't even understand where it comes from exactly. Like, what are they scared of? Dude, here's what, here's what I hate about this, man. And then I'll speak to that. I hate this because I'm a complimentarian. And I, I mean, I know there's nothing cooler than like crapping on complimentarians. And, and I guess like the coolness ship sailed for me when I joined a Southern Baptist church. <laughs> like being Southern Baptist and complimentarian means that I will just never get to be cool. And that's fine. So yeah, do you have, have your horn started growing yet? Yeah, exactly. Your little like forked pointy tail. Dude, exactly. So yeah, the fact that I'm I'm complimentarian, it's distressing because I don't know, I feel I feel like people like me who are, you know, like the theology makes sense, but we're not I'm not threatened by it much in that realm, I guess. I don't know. I'm not perfect. I'm I'm sure there are things that I would be threatened by, but like um Somebody writing a book certainly isn't it. And maybe it's because I have such a low view of the book business. <laughs> like, I know how hard it is to write a book that, like, even makes a ripple. So I just assume most books are going to come and go and not do anything. So, um, and I don't know this woman. I don't know the content of her book. But well, she, the, the other thing is, like, she's not an aggressive, combative, acerbic person. Like, she's right. not putting anybody on blast. She just <laughs> is, she's taking a stance that disagrees. Mm-hmm. She's, she's a careful thinker. Like she's yeah. not, she's not sort of throwing around caricatures and straw men. Yeah. And so it's, it's like the worst version of threatened because it's, it's not even, it's not like dumb people being threatened by dumb people. Yeah. It's, it's people who, Dude, so- who can't engage a reasonable thought out articulated debate. If you had to like take a guess at, what it is about her approach that they're threatened by, like, what would it be? Because it, it is, it's fascinating. Like, I don't, uh, I don't get it. I think, I think there are men who are very threatened by women who are smarter than they are. Okay. And she is a hundred percent smarter than a lot of the guys. Well, probably all the guys who are just coming after her. Interesting. Um, I, Cause I think, I think the guys who are like a genuinely good complimentarian man thinker. Mm-hmm is not going to be threatened. They're going to be in disagreement. Yeah. You know, they're, they're going to say, they're going to take different stances on scripture or in how something was articulated or the, the the thought process. But when you jump straight to like, you look like a, you know, pejorative term. Yeah. You, A, you're outing yourself as a moron. Yeah. <laughs> you're just, no doubt, dude. <laughs> you're just wearing, you're just flying the dumb flag. Yeah. And, uh, and, and there's, you know, not only that, but also as like your, your character has real significant questions about it, if that's where you go to. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, I think there's, there's a threat at her intelligence. Mm-hmm. I think they would articulate it as it's a threat to the church, mm. which, you know, whatever. I, I think, yeah. I think that's way overstated. I do, you know, I, I am complimentarian in church leadership context. Yeah. And so I, I think that there's a, there is a version of egalitarian that is counter to what I believe the Bible says about the church. That's yeah. different than feeling threatened by somebody 
writing a book. Yeah. I think what they're really saying in that is we we feel threatened if women were to gain a voice or power or authority in the church or really in life in general. Because yeah. my guess is these are the same guys who would claim to vote against Hillary Clinton based on you know, issues of pro-life or pro-choice, but they're probably just sexist. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's, it's weird, dude. It's, it's really, really strange. And do you think Piper, there's anything to the idea that, um, these guys just need more to do. Like they, they, they need to get off Twitter. They need to get off their computers and go like, not be occupied with this. You know what I mean? And I realize yeah, that's I, that's a think, that's a childish argument that I'm making. But I think the most frightening part is that so many of them are are in ministry leadership. Yeah. You know, like if if this was the dude who I pulled up next to at the gas station flying the Confederate flag on his jacked up Dodge Ram, like I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Like that that all fits. Yeah. But these are guys who are leading churches, who are elders, who are deacons, who are, you know, theologically educated in theory. And I think that's the disturbing part, because if you ask them to go do anything else, you're like, wait, 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 that just means they're taking their damage to people in person. (laughs) What what about the women in their church? What are they, what are they raising their sons to be? Like it's, it's troublesome. And you know, it's, it's easy to laugh about it on the one hand, but it's it's concerning and at, at a real deep level because of the because of the the freedom they feel to be like maliciously abusive. Yeah, yeah. I just don't get that. Like, I don't know. Like, I'm a jerk in ten thousand ways, but I guess just looking around for people to abuse, and maybe we do it on the show. <laughs> maybe I'm the biggest hypocrite in the world right now. Um, I don't know, but it, it just doesn't seem worthwhile to me. Um, well, yeah, and you know, I'm not, I'm not going to try to be self righteous and be like, well, we yeah. do is different. I, I think yeah. there is a, there is a different tone. We, we live tongue in cheek for the yeah. most part. Um, you know, if we decide to call out something that's evil, we usually make it a point to be like, well, that's different than a joke. Yeah. Um, but the other thing is, I don't think we punch below our weight class. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, explain and so that. Yeah, talk about that. We go after people on this, but they're almost always really famous people who <laughs> yeah. have put who have put whatever it is they want to say all the way out into the world. Yeah, that's, you know, we're not dragging. You know, we're we're not the big bully on the block taking shots at the little guy. Yeah. Um, or if it's a littler guy, it's somebody who's being abusive elsewhere. You know, so yeah. it's a little guy who feels like. They they probably need to be told off. Mm-hmm. And again, are, are, am I self-justifying? Maybe. I don't know. I just, the one thing I, in, in the church and in the United States, men generally hold power. Yeah. It's just the way it is. And so for men to go after women mm-hmm. is, is punching below their weight class from a kind of a, a who holds the power standpoint. Yeah. And that's something that I find repulsive. Just yeah. in, in almost any in almost any circumstance. Yeah, yeah. Whether it's men or women or or any other circumstance, for yeah, sure. It could be that. It could be race based. It could be you know yeah. mega mega church pastor going after tiny church pastor. Like pick, pick your <laughs> yeah. favorite power structure. Yeah. The the swinging at the little guy is just a it's a it's a dirty way to to do things. 
Yeah, that's true, man. And uh, probably increasingly wise for us to keep that in mind as we uh, as we keep having the show, as we keep talking in the age of like talking being the worst thing you could possibly do. It's like it's like Russian roulette, man. Yeah. Every time you talk, um, how is how is this going to come back to like ruin me in the future? But uh, but alas, Piper, we keep talking. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Anything else uh, on this that, that we want to add or, or not on this? I feel like I had a third thing I wanted to talk to you about, but it's it's slipping my mind right now, um, which I, I realize is not great radio. Me just sort of like combing through the archives of my mind trying to figure out what I want to talk about. But uh, I think we've done enough. We've probably like raged up enough people. <laughs> Um, yeah, I think we, you know, we found a number of bears and poked them, and now yeah. we're gonna put it out into the world and see what yeah. see what damage is done. How would Ronald have handled this? Oh man, I just I feel like bringing up the Amy Bird thing and and all of her uh, detractors slash abusers is uh, I feel like he would respond with sort of a ah guys, it just I don't know, it's. Mm-hmm. I hate it so much. I don't. I don't understand where those guys are coming from. There's not really uh-huh. a place for it. Yeah, but yeah, I don't think you would like grab him by the neck and shake him, dude. How close is Ronnie to like? And I don't know Amy Bird. Like, I w- I wouldn't know her if she walked in my front door, and so I don't know like what kind of theological crowd she runs with. Would she ever be like a co-author candidate for Ronald for our boy? Uh, I don't know. Maybe. I mean, she's. She's a she's a really good faithful Christian thinker. Like she's mm-hmm. not she's she's not like a you know, it's kind of at the progressive end of things where you don't know what they believe about Jesus. Yeah, <laughs> she's, yeah. she's a really good <laughs> right. Christian thinker. And in that sense, yeah, I think she she could be. Um she might function more at the academic theological level a little bit. Okay. Whereas Ron's functioning at the you know, the pastoral reflective side yeah. of things. But yeah. I I've never I don't get the impression that he has any negative uh you know, negative impression of her at all. Oh, that's good, man. Yeah, that's good. Good to know. Um, well, Piper, we have done what we always do on this program. Um, in that we have promoted our own books. We have hopefully punched above our weight class, if anywhere. Um, and dude, I like, I want to be clear. I wasn't trying to throw shade on Katie. Why? But like he put it out there. He knew, he knew that it would be controversial. He wrote a controversial thing, and and we talked about it. And he used the word feckend. Feckend. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever it is. He, exactly. He, he volunteered that to our audience. He's asking for it. You know, he was asking for it. But uh, thank you to, to Kevin for writing that. Um, it gave us something to talk about. Uh, and until next time. The Happy Rant is brought to you by Resonate Recordings. If you go to ResonateRecordings.com, you can see the full range of services they offer. So if you're considering starting a podcast, they are the ones we recommend going with. Again, go to ResonateRecordings.com to see their prices, to connect with them and ask any questions, and to see what they can do to help you launch, edit, master, and improve your podcast. Again, go to ResonateRecordings.com to see what they can do to help you launch and improve your podcast.